Football is back. And right now, Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets, including first, last, or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favorite online betting company. Bet365 has wall-to-wall Premier League football, with games being played nearly every day. And with the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals, and more to create your own personalized bet. And if you can't watch all the games live with Bet365's Match Live feature, you can follow every moment via live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favorite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and the Apple App Store. Over 18s only, and please gamble responsibly. I'm Carl Anker, and welcome to Talk of the Devils, the Manchester United podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Coming up today, Manchester United's 3-0 win at Brighton. Reports yesterday that United are only going to pay up to £50 million for Jadon Sancho, as well as a little bit of conversation about the soon-to-be-departing Angel Gomez. It's difficult work, so I'm going to be Nemanja Matic. I want to ping it out wide. Uh, taking the role of Mason Greenwood, bombing down the wing, is the Athletics Manchester United writer, Laurie Whitwell. Laurie, how you doing? I'm good, Carl. I'm good. I'm, I'm exhausted after that introduction. It's a great goal, isn't it? <laughs> if Laurie's Mason Greenwood, that means... The man who's Bruno Fernandez is United We Stand editor and contributing writer to The Athletic, Mr. Andy Mitten. Andy, how are you doing today? I'm very happy because Manchester United are playing very well and it's not often we're able to say that and it's been increasingly possible to say it and yeah, I, I, I'm excited because I can see a lot of good things happening at Manchester United. So I'm well in answer to your question and I'm looking forward to talking about it. Right and listener, you can read all the latest writing on Manchester United for free until the end of the season right now as The Athletic is having a free 30-day trial for new subscribers. All you have to do is go to theathletic.com slash manunitedpod to sign up. Now, before we get into Laurie and Andy's thoughts on the victory over Brighton, let's hear Manchester United boss Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. It's uh, been a great night for us. Many games coming up and we'll, we'll keep chopping and changing and players are getting better and better. Uh, uh, the ones who haven't played, Paul, Marcus, they're getting sharper. Mason is improving all the time. And of course, we've got players that didn't start today that have had a fantastic season. We're in with a shout for the Champions League next year. Uh, we've still got the FA Cup and Europa League to play and the team is improving. The, the players coming back, the team... The style is better. Um, I think we we can more we can play against different types of teams now. We've got uh, we know we've got pace and uh, pace on the counter and pace when the space are there. But now we we got more players and we're better at uh, dominating teams as well. We know that we uh, we're eleven men attacking and eleven men uh, defending. We we defend from the front. Anthony, Bruno, Marcus, and Mason today. I thought they pressed uh, Brighton to. Uh, because we know how difficult it is to play against Brighton and we stop them getting a rhythm. And uh, of course, the, the the screen in front of the back four with Paul and Nemanja is quite uh, uh, big to get past as well. So very, very happy with, uh, with the shape and uh, the intensity. A happy manager. Laurie, what do you make of Ollie's words there? I think he was quite impressive, actually. He's, he's been quite impressive in his press conferences since lockdown um, ended. 
because I think that's probably the one criticism you could make of him previously is that sometimes in press conferences he might say slightly awkward things, might not come across as full of conviction as we know he is behind the scenes. And I think that he's perhaps, I don't know if he's deliberately made a decision or if it's just a naturally he's more comfortable in the position that he's in, but he seems to be much more assertive. So for example, you had um, a very fair question from the Sky commentator last night asking him about whether this was a statement win. And he said, I'm not, I don't care about statements. I just want to care... I, what I care about wins, you know, and I could tell that he, he said little bits like that that have, have carried that confidence that I think you need as a Manchester United manager. You need a little bit of ego, obviously not the, the levels of Jose Mourinho, I don't think um, are beneficial, but I think you do have to have that confidence. And I feel like Solskjaer's got that now. He's got his team playing with some really good attacking football. He's got, you know, the first 11 is, is certainly very, very sound. Clearly he'd, he'd like some additions to make sure that the squad as quality is improved, but I think he's in a happy place and, and that shows in, in what he's saying in his post-match and pre-match press conferences. This was a comprehensive victory for United and now they're on their, you know, an amazing unbeaten streak. Andy, it's 11 wins, four draws, 11 clean sheets. Everything's humming. It is. I started putting a tweet out at two games into this run, almost in jest because United had beaten Tranmere Rovers and I've carried on doing it after every game, saying the team are now five unbeaten, six unbeaten, seven unbeaten. And they've returned after the after the lockdown. They're playing well, they're winning. Okay, Norwich wasn't that good. And I think that Norwich performance, United can actually learn a lot from that. It shows that the team does need strengthening, that if you're gonna put your fringe players in, it's gonna it's still gonna be a struggle. And if United lose uh, or get injuries to some of the, the, their A-listers um, then it's going to be a struggle as well and that echoes back to something one of the coaches told me in October when discussing some of the players and I was saying you know Andreas Pereira and it's like yeah he's a good player but should he be starting every week for Manchester United and, and probably not and pretty obviously not not at the moment anyway he's not done anything to, to suggest that but 15 games unbeaten it's, it's Ollie's longest unbeaten run at the club you can feel the confidence uh, among the players and among the fans as well it's a real shame the fans can't be there to see it you know, I made that trip to Brighton last year and the year before and it was an absolute horror show I'm still angry about that game in May 2018 it's the worst game of football I've ever seen it was only pushed to it by West Ham away the week before it was absolutely dreadful and so it was great to, to win like that and everyone's talking about <coughs> Bruno with good reason but there's so many positives Mason Greenwood Paul Pogba Nemanja Matic and you can see how the mood shifts I interviewed Matic pre-season in Singapore and I put a tweet out there just interviewed Nemanja Matic and you could feel the tumbleweed if it wasn't abusive get rid of him gone too old and I remember doing a piece for the Athletic going to Christiansund where Oli Gunnar's from in September and the abuse it, it, was, it was out of order and now these people have quietened They've really gone away. Now, let's, let's not get too carried away because Manchester United are still not in the top four. They've not been in the top four all season apart from after the first game or two. But it's really, really encouraging. Is it as simple as saying it's Bruno Fernandes, Laurie? Ever since he's been here, he's United have made the joint most points. They've got the highest goal difference through his goals conceded. Is it just simply a case of one player having a transformative effect or is it a bit deeper? 
he you, you can't dismiss what he's done with the club. Um, I, I enjoyed listening to Sky Sports after the game last night, and Patrice Ever was was saying quite similar things. He actually had Emmanuel Matic as his man of the match, which again you can't really put too many complaints against that. That pass for the the counter attacking goal was absolutely sublime. There's definitely been other really good performances from from other players. Um, Marshall's shown glimpses of, of what he can do. Um, Luke Shaw's looked good in, in certain situations. Harry Maguire has had some dips, but equally has, has shown that commanding leadership. But I think Bruno is is the one that's that's fitted it all together. There's also that that stat that he has actually been involved in more goals than any other player since he arrived. I think it's five goals and, and three assists. Um, obviously, you know some penalties in there, but still the point remains that he has had a transformative effect. We, we, we as Andy mentioned, you can only go back to that Burnley game two nil at home, and it was absolutely desperate. The the atmosphere, the style of United's play was was pretty mundane. You had Marcus Rashford injured, Paul Pogba injured. You were wondering where everything was going to, you know, come from creatively. Bruno came in and, and seemed to have an uplifting effect overnight. And the way that he's, he's, he's come into the team, um, not only with his technique and, and his, his gifts that he's, he's shown. I mean, that, that finish again, you know, we, we've seen the, the, the bond that he's got with Pogba, the, the two sort of passes that where Pogba sets him up and obviously scores with the second one. And then that finish to the counter-attacking goal was a, a really composed, eye on the ball, get your foot through it, finish, which I think you'd back him in those situations time and again really to, to do it. It, it. That wasn't a one-off. But I think the way also that he speaks so and it's not a new thing to say is it that he's got leadership, you know I I, I enjoyed, you know his various, you know, barks at teammates you know, the exasperated looks that he's had at various times throughout his, his time at United already but also after the game last night he was asked about himself and Pogba in the partnership and, and that's the thing that's getting everyone salivating isn't it, you know, Pogba and Bruno in the same team Wow, what a, what a pair! If they can actually really you know hit it off, which it looks like they can do. But he was very quick to mention his teammates, and that probably is a, a, a trivial thing. You know, it's, it's kind of like rule one hundred and one, isn't it? In in um, you know player uh, media handbook, you know, mention your teammate, deflect away from yourself. But it, the way he was speaking, it, it came across as really genuine. It wasn't that it was something that he just thought, I need to give these guys a bit of props because, uh, you know, I, I realise I'm taking a bit of the limelight here. It was very much, no, I know that there's been excellent support. Scott McTominay mentioned, Freddie he mentioned, and it, he sort of spoke with such a considered view on things that I kind of thought, I can see how that is working at Carrington when people say that he's got that leadership. I can see it's not just it's not just orders it's not just barking it's it's you know encouraging and and um and sort of you know educating in in some ways obviously he's not got all the answers but yeah so i suppose long answer to your question carl i mean i, I don't know what you think as well but i think he's i think he, you have to give him full credit for for the way that united have improved since he arrived andy i want to throw this to you now at what point can we describe manchester united as the bruno fernandez team or saying it belongs to bruno fernandez even He's clearly a talismanic figure and he's had a type of influence that Eric Cantona had. The team really needed it. And I remember in November 92 when Cantona came to the club, United were not scoring. They were clearly a decent side, but they needed something different. It's slightly different now, but United needed Bruno. It's a shame that they couldn't have got him at the start of this season. He's clearly a brilliant player technically, but also... He's got that belief in his own um, talent and and personality, which Laurie's been talking about. And on his first day at the club, he he walked into the canteen and he walked around every single player, youth team, right up to his teammates and said, hello, I'm Bruno Fernandes. And some of them were like, yeah, no shit, we know who you are. We've been reading about you coming for the last month. But 
it was just quite a, a humble, down to earth thing to do. But he's also doesn't suffer fools. He's come to Manchester United because he wants to win. He wants to win trophies. He wants to close the gap and for United to become the best team in England again. And he has been a very, very important figure. He's scoring, he's assisting. Right from the first minutes in his first game against Wolves at Old Trafford, he had an eye for goal and that was a draw. But the players around him are starting to benefit. Paul Pogba, you know, look at the way his situation has improved. Uh, I thought he was excellent, in the, especially in the first half at Brighton. Everyone around him, uh, Nemanja Matic just behind him. And then you've got the backup, uh, Fred, Scott McTominay, and they're going to be needed. If United are going to be successful, they're going to be playing 60 games per season. But Fernandes has got loads of energy as well. He wants to play all the time. He speaks really good English, which helps. It absolutely helps because I've seen other players come in and, and struggle, some of them with big reputations, but brilliant. And it, it's such a joy to see. And compared to a year ago, I remember the front cover of United We Stand, no more heroes anymore. And that's how it seemed at the end of last season. Of course, Rashford was a good player, but none of them were playing well. And suddenly you look at this team now and heroes are, are sprouting everywhere. Fernandez, Pogba. Pogba will always be a, a world-class footballer. It's just that injuries haven't helped. And sometimes what he's said or what his agent have said hasn't helped his position among United's fan base. But Oli maintained... He wanted to build from the back. That's why he bought Wan-Bissaka in. He's had a good season. That's why he bought Maguire in. He's had a very good season as well. So all over the pitch, that strongest starting eleven is a really good starting eleven now. I think where United have got to improve now is by buying two or three players because there will be injuries to strengthen the squad, which is capable of giving it a proper crack at the title. Because even to this day, United are miles off Liverpool and I don't buy Jose Mourinho's line a few weeks ago when he said look at that bench and referred to the Manchester United bench because when the players who were on that bench had a chance to start at Norwich okay it was the first game for a while but it was a real struggle against Norwich it absolutely was not a struggle against Brighton it wasn't quite the perfect performance Manchester United did drop off a little bit when Bruno and Pogba went off among some other players there's all this constant talk about how much better United need to get in terms of challenging for the trophy Laurie how about that subs bench? Is that enough? If Bruno gets hurt, what happens next? That's a good question. And I think that's probably the fear for United. And that's what is driving Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in the transfer market. You heard his quote about the strikers. And it was a, a very straightforward question in his press conference from, from James Ducker of The Telegraph. Just asking him that with the form that Mason Greenwood, Anthony Marshall, Marcus Rashford have, have shown, do, do, you know, do United need a striker? Is is that you know still on the agenda? And obviously with Odi Nogalo there as well. And Solskjaer was pretty bullish. Like it wasn't, he, he could have easily sidestepped it. And his, his response was very much, I was at United in an era when we had Teddy Sheringham come in, we had Dwight York come in, we had Ruud van Nistelrooy come in, we had Wayne Rooney come in all the time. You United trying to improve and adding strikers and, and obviously goals is where you know is, is the hard part of, of the game really and, and the, the bit that you really need to have well stocked if you're going to win tote trophies and titles if you're going to win games so Solskjaer that's what he's thinking of he knows that the squad needs to be improved I agree with you that there was a and dip once the changes were made. Listen, maybe that always happens when you make changes, you know, in multiple times in a match because, you know, the, the players are getting used to each other and, and they're perhaps not familiar with, with playing 
uh, alongside each other. I, th- I was encouraged by Brandon Williams's cameo. I thought, you know, he's not played as much as perhaps we might have expected since um, football's return, but I, I, I liked what he did. Dan James, perhaps, I guess, just suffering a little bit from confidence. I'm not sure. He got into good positions again. It's just maybe the decision making. And I do, I do still feel we have to remember it's his first year at the Premier League level after only having one year at Swansea in the Championship. And I think he's already improved massively. So I, I, I'm still you know, very hopeful that he, and I'm confident that he will be a, a really good player for United, if not necessarily a starter for 30, 40 games a season. Andreas Pereira frustrates me because I know he's a hard worker. He does what Solskjaer wants diligently, but he looks backwards too often. There was a moment with a, with another uh, sort of counter-attack that he could have been more assertive and he went backwards. And it's just, you know, it, it kind of frustrates because, you know, that's a, a moment in the match where you're against a tire in Brighton defence and, and being assertive can could, could you know, get, get you another goal. Tomane did okay actually I thought he'd had a couple of bursts trying to get make things happen obviously he had the shot that was unfortunately took a deflection that helps out Matt Ryan so you know it wasn't a, a you know a, a sweeping disappointment from the substitutes but certainly there was a dip uh, I guess that's always going to happen but that's why Solskjaer wants to improve the squad you know he, he knows that they're so far behind Liverpool in terms of points totals that you can't just expect that United will improve with the players that they've got already in their ranks clearly Mason Greenwood is, is improving at a rate of not so he could be a very special player next season but you can't rely on that you need to add in the transfer market and that's I suppose one thing that I'll go back to with Bruno Fernandes that United delayed that until you know late January when clearly at the start of January they knew he was the target they knew he was going to get that they wanted to get him in okay they're trying to negotiate but I would be cautious against seeing that happen again this window that you know United drag out negotiations to the point where it's detrimental to results on the pitch which it was I think in the Bruno Fernandes case. I agree with a lot of what Laurie was saying I think you've got your your A-listers your B-listers and your C-listers and one problem with this season was you had lads like Andreas Pereira who've played 38 times this season for Manchester United and I think there is merit in having players like that within your squad but maybe not playing 38 times unless there's a big uptick in the quality of the performances. And I do get frustrated with Andreas Pereira because he can be very effective. His best game this season was against Burnley away. And that's a tough place. You know, look how well Burnley are doing. And United dominated that game now and he played really well. So he, he definitely has uses in certain systems which Oli Oli Gunnar plays. I think the problem is more with players maybe like Jesse Lingard, who've got the the contract of a a B or an A player, and yet they're not doing anything like near enough to justify that status. And you're going to look at, you know, Alexis Sanchez is not going to play again for Manchester United. It's very unlikely. Marcus Rojo, Chris Smalling's had a very good season in Rome. It's probably improbable that he's going to come back and play for United, even though Oli Gunnar likes him. So you've got three players there. And Jesse Lingard, would the club turn down a decent offer for him? Probably not. So there's going to be space there. And we look at this now through these red-tinted, glorious, optimistic view, given the current run. But what if Wan-Bissaka gets injured? You know, there's, what, what if Matic gets injured? Okay, that's maybe the worst example to give in the middle of the field because there is a bit of strength there. Ferguson always said you need eight players to be playing well. And I think he got that at Brighton. So Martial didn't have his best night, but he didn't need to. He was brilliant last week. Rashford didn't have his best night. He didn't need to either. Okay, he's going to need to start scoring again. But you're starting to get those eight players. Central defence, is Lindelof, you know, and Emmanuel Vidic or 
Real Ferdinand-type player. I think there's room for improvement there. I think Maguire's been decent. But what if one of them gets injured? Does Scott McTominay drop back and become a central defender? Axel Toanzebe, very highly rated, very unlucky with injuries. But at some point, he too has got to step up. So there's definite areas of improvement. I'm not that concerned about the first 11, uh, although... I am more concerned if a couple of injuries, because we've seen this season, and I remember speaking to a coach after that game at Newcastle away, and the line was that the toolbox is not overflowing with talent at the moment. We will get there. We will get it right. And that's what a couple of injuries uh, can do. But now we're in this swirl of optimism and confidence breeding confidence, and that has not happened enough at all in the post-Ferguson years at Manchester United. We had a little dash in... I think it was the the spring of 2015 under Van Hall. Uh, there was a time when Jose Mourinho had a really good run where I can remember United going to Arsenal and winning in the league and thinking there's a side coming together now. And I'm thinking the same now. There's a side coming together, but the league table's still not lying. No trophies have still to be won. And this season still hangs in the balance. And the teams around United in the league, they're winning as well. Wolves can't stop winning. Chelsea keep on winning. Leicester, I've got a sniff of them. Let's hope that they can be hunted down and United can get in the Champions League because they need to be in the Champions League. Andy, I really liked your comparisons between this current A-list United team and the A-listers of, of yesteryear. And I want to throw this to you right now. That third goal against Brighton, amazing counter-attack, up there with the classic counter-attacks of old. How do you think it compares the... Uh, Rooney Ronaldo counterattacks back in the day. Oh, you're right. It was amazing. And and I think I tweeted something like, that's Manchester United. That's what you want to see. You're not going to see this in every game, but it was fantastic. Maguire strongly heads the ball away. The ball from Matic, wow. I mean, it's just incredible. And then you, you've got Mason Greenwood and then Fernandez, bang, bang, bang. And People were quite rightly saying that reminds me of Eric at St. James's Park in, in 96. There was an incredible uh, goal at Sheffield United, which Cantona scored again uh, on, on the world's windiest night um, in, in the 90s. And then you had the the, the counter-attacks, which you mentioned. You know, G-Sung Park was always playing a part in them, Rooney, Ronaldo. And it's really nice to be comparing goals this United side of scoring with the great Manchester United sides, it just need to be more more consistent. But it, it, it is coming together, and it is nice to be talking in this way about a winning a winning team. But there's still going to be really difficult challenges ahead. And even when United have played against the best teams, they've had to play a containment policy where it's United who've been trying to hit teams on the counter attack with great effect. I mean, PSG away was incredible because PSG absolutely battered Manchester United, but United got got the result. Would be nice with more quality players to take the game. Ferguson always dreamed of going to somewhere like Barcelona with a team strong enough to attack Barcelona away, and it took him until 1999 to get that team. He couldn't do it in previous years, and in 98-99 he had that team. And Solskjaer was part of that. Solskjaer knows what it's like to be top, top, top level, and and he knows that they're still two or three players short. Laurie, 
goal of the season for you? For the thrill of it, for the <laughs> the kind of emotion of it, and the fact that um, it feels like could it be the the real ignition for something under Solskjaer? That, that's the that, that's the that's what's giving me the, the excitement about it, the hope because the speed of it. Um, you mentioned earlier, uh, yeah, I like your your segue from from what Andy was saying into to the counter attacking goal because that that really for me does remind me of, of those Ferguson teams of you know that 2009 to 10 season and that's that's what I've written about after the game um it should be on the athletic now the comparing um Bruno's goal with the Ronaldo goal from the 2009 Champions League and then uh, Rooney's goal from 2010 Premier League and, and like the the match against Brighton wasn't a title chase it wasn't a Champions League game like those other two were but for the the speed of it, it was only six touches compared to the other two goals. The speed of it, it was in a quicker time, 11.35 seconds from start to finish. So I've done a kind of proper analysis. I've got my calculator out. I've, 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 my brain's hurting from all the different measurements I've tried to make and, and tried to give it a full representation in comparison with the other two. But hopefully it's a bit, a bit of nostalgia for people and also a sign that this is something that Solskjaer is clearly building towards. And what somebody said to me, uh, who was watching the game as well sort of simultaneously someone who knows United well was just texting me and said that's what happens when players are together and understanding and, and trusting in each other to be in those positions you can play those one two quick touches you can you know set off at pace knowing that the ball is probably going to come your way eventually and you've got to give credit a little bit as well to Marcus Rashford and, and Anthony Marshall who both I mean particularly Marcus Rashford who, who ran about you know, ninety yards in in you know very few seconds, and overtook uh, McAllister, the, the Brighton player, by like you know eighteen yards. It was something crazy but to go in support because that then drew the defenders across and allowed Bruno the space at the far post. So I, I loved it. I thought it was a, a fantastic goal, and I'll, I'll probably watch it a fair few more times. Yeah. Harry's sponsors Talk of the Devils, a podcast brought to you by the Athletic. Harry's was founded by Jeff and Andy, two ordinary guys who are sick and tired of overpriced raises. Jeff and Andy knew there was only one way to ensure quality, so they bought their own factory. And now, by taking less profit, Harry's offers great quality products for a fairer price. Their amazing quality blades are now almost half the price of the leading five-blade brand. Harry's trial set includes everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. Now, if you're listening to this, and you have a little bit of a lockdown beard, and you want to get back to your usual self, I recommend Harry's. Everything in there does let me uh, do the finer lines for my beard. So... As a listener of Talk of the Devils, you can start shaving with Harry's today by claiming your trial set for £3.95. Please support our podcast and you can get your set delivered to you, including a razor handle, a five-blade cartridge, foaming shave gel, and a travel blade cover by going to harrys.com slash talkofthedevils right now. That's harrys.com slash talkofthedevils. So, let's talk about Jaden Sancho. Reports broke earlier this week saying Manchester United were only willing to spend around about £50 million on uh, the Dortmund man. Laurie, is this a COVID-related transfer kitty or, or is it just simply United think that's how much Sancho's worth? I never really want to sort of knock down other uh, people's stories. You know, it's hard to get stories and, um, you know, there's always an element of truth, I feel, to, to whatever reports come out. You know, it, it, they might not be... 100% accurate all the time. Listen, I've got some stories wrong, certainly, and I'm not saying this is wrong, you know, in its in its essence, but I just, I made a, a couple of calls on it. 50 million for Sancho, it just didn't seem, you know, right to me, it's particularly coming from United, as, as it was reported. Um, so two reasons for that. One being that 
if you put a price like that on a player, does it not devalue your own players instantly? And United might be looking to sell some of their players. And two, United spent 50 million on Aaron Wan-Bissaka. So are they saying that Jadon Sancho is only worth as much as Aaron Wan-Bissaka? I, I mean, nobody surely would, would agree to that. I don't think Dortmund would ever agree to that. So, I mean, it's going to cost, let's let's be right about this, it's going to cost more than that for United to get Jadon Sancho this summer. Listen, they might be looking to cut their cord because of the coronavirus. They might be looking to negotiate, but I would say that it would, it would cost a lot more than that. So that's my understanding at least. Andy, how do you feel about Sancho? possibly joining Manchester United do you think he'd curb Mason Greenwood's development or is he that sort of player to take United from competing for the Champions League spots to competing for the title what a nice position to be in if you've got to worry about having both of them Uh, they're both versatile and they both get loads of matches and I've been to Dortmund I've watched him play he always plays badly when I go there worryingly but I spoke to people at Dortmund who know far, far more than I do about how he's been doing and and they've been glowing about him. And I got a good insight into how Borussia Dortmund work and they're not under any pressure to sell, but they are a selling club and they buy British players. And it was put to me that it's like buying a, a top wine. You can tuck it away and even if the player doesn't do as well as you might expect at Dortmund, you can still get your money back when he goes back to England because the Premier League is so wealthy and there's so much money there. If the player does well, as many of them have done who've gone to Borussia Dortmund, then it's win-win. And it just Dortmund's model is so intelligent because they can offer talented players first-team football, playing in front of 80,000. Okay, Dortmund's not a pretty city by any stretch, but it doesn't really matter. If you look at the number of players who've come through there, and we're seeing Christian Pulisic has been really good for Chelsea recently. He really enjoyed his time at Dortmund. And Sancho, I'm told he wants to come back to England. The market is in a flux. Nobody really knows where it's going to be. Dortmund don't really need to sell. This isn't the Dortmund of 2005 who were in dire financial straits. They don't need to sell players to buy Munich like they once had to. And they're going to try brinkmanship because they don't want the player's contract running down either. I just wonder how many suitors are going to be at that price. And they've got over $100 million for Usam Dembele. I just cannot see that happening again. And the pound is pretty weak against the euro. There's so many factors to, to be brought in. And I also know that um, there are issues United are facing with Brexit with younger players. That's not going to apply with Sancho, obviously, because because he's English. I know they like him. Uh, I know Manchester United want him. I suspect Sancho is watching this Manchester United team blitz teams like Brighton and think, I want a bit of that. He's not going to go back to Manchester City, is he? Liverpool don't tend to buy players for 100 million. Will Manchester United be paying 100 million? I, I doubt, I'm doubtful this summer. You know, the, the club has been burning through 25 million pounds per month, paying all the staff on full during uh, the corona, apart from the, the player bonuses, obviously. And, you know, even paying their casual staff, which they don't need to do. They've gone way, way above what Manchester United need to do. So I'm not convinced to go 100 million. And I saw that 50 million figure and I share Laurie's opinion on it. And I saw knee-jerk reactions from some Manchester United fans saying this is a disgrace. And they're getting worked up basically over nothing. But even if Manchester United were to start negotiating, 
they're hardly going to go in and say, okay, we're going to start with an opening bid of 112 million. <laughs> you know, it's just not how negotiation works. So United could use their relative financial strength to an advantage in the current situation because not every club is as financially secure as Manchester United are. And United have benefited in some ways. Paul Pogba, he's not going to have as many suitors. And he's looking happy. I'd probably say he's going to stay at Manchester United now. So that's another factor. But I'd still like to see Sancho come because he's a fantastic player. Hello, I'm James Richardson, host of the Totally Football Show, now part of the Athletics Podcast Network. We're going to be here following all the action as the 2020 football season reaches its belated conclusion. And if you're an Athletics subscriber, you can now hear exclusive ad-free versions of our show on the Athletic app. And don't worry, if you're not a subscriber, you can still listen to us for free with the occasional word from our sponsor by searching for The Totally Football Show on Apple, Spotify and all the usual podcast places. The Totally Football Show with me, James Richardson, still totally free and now totally ad-free on The Athletic. We've just talked about Jadon Sancho possibly joining Manchester United. Let's talk about one player possibly leaving Manchester United. Uh, during the Brighton game, Mason Greenwood scored a fantastic goal, but what was notable was his celebration, uh, making an A with his hands. Uh, a dedication to Angel Gomez, who shared it on Instagram and basically said he will miss the club. Laurie, you've written a piece on The Athletic about what's going on with Angel Gomez and why he's probably going to leave Manchester United. What's going on here? Yeah, only a, a crazy sort of U-turn. Now we'll we'll see it. Um, you know, not not be the case. Obviously, we, the the fact that Greenwood celebrating the way that he did and, and Gomez responded to it, I think, just absolutely underlines where his head is at and the fact that he's departing the club. I'm told that it is basically game time. So you, there were some suggestions that uh, money was at play. That it was a, a bid to get a bit more money out of United, but it's not the case. And I don't think that you could really look at that situation and, and, and come up with that conclusion because why would, you know, I don't, I don't think he's going to get a deal like United have offered him at somewhere else. It's clearly he's going for, for game time. It's a very good offer, I'm told, you know, from, from sort of all sides. I'm said it's an impressive financial package, but that's not what, he is looking for at the moment he has felt that this season could have been a breakthrough one for him in terms of games and he's only played 292 minutes um, across six games uh, and started I think three mainly you know Europa League which is is to be expected listen he's a 19 year old um, kid you know turning 20 soon but someone that you'd wouldn't necessarily, you know, think he's going to, you know, start twenty, thirty games. He's not a Mason Greenwood uh, standard of of player just yet. He's, he's, you know, Mason Greenwood is 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 kind of more physically developed and um, he's is is probably a generational talent. Whereas Gomez has been very, very exciting from a young age, um, but perhaps isn't just at the, at the level of, of first team on a regular basis for United. Now his grievance, I would imagine, understandably, is that at times this season United struggled massively to create. You know, you had Andreas Perry, had Jesse Lingard, and it was it was you know difficult to watch at times. And, and Gomez could probably you know justifiably think be watching that from a suspension think I could do something I could make a difference um, I think he did well when he started against Astana not so well when um, he started in, in Alkmaar but then again nobody played well that game it was nil-nil on a plastic pitch it was really difficult and I think 
the the fact that he didn't sign the contract is perhaps a, an element to the fact that he didn't get more games. Listen, if he'd signed it last summer, I can well imagine that he would have been rewarded with with more games and you know a, a feeling of, of togetherness around the place. And, and Solskjaer clearly had that in mind when he didn't take Teeth Chong and Angel Gomez two partisan Belgrade, a match where he started James Garner and Brandon Williams, you know, in, in very early in their careers. So clearly there was there was something at play there, which is Solskjaer's prerogative. Listen, if he doesn't think Gomez is good enough to start for United then that's ultimately totally his decision um, we've seen that he's has brought through young kids he's, he's played the youngest ever team in Astana with the most amount of debuts in, in that Europa League game so he clearly does you know value the youth set up at United that's obviously a major pillar of his managerial style but with Angel Gomez it, it just seems to have, have slipped away there and I, I, I think you know he's taken a bold move to, to leave United the reports of Chelsea were played down to me uh, I know they, they got linked um, a few weeks ago but that was downplayed and then I saw Frank Lampard had said basically that he hadn't really heard anything on that so I think we can perhaps part of that one I would be intrigued by the possibility of him going abroad um, he's obviously got Port- Portuguese heritage Nanny's his godfather um, so we we you know that that could be something for him perhaps going to you know uh, to, to Portugal um, I'm not sure exactly where but I'm led to believe there's clubs in Europe that are interested so it's it's perhaps quite a sad way to end and I can see the emotion from the kids that have grown up with him you know from Mason Greenwood James Garner also tweeted Ted and Mengi tweeted you know these are a good you know young players coming through so I think it's quite a sad way for it to end given he was when he made his debut under Jose Mourinho um, the youngest player since Duncan Edwards to play for Manchester United 16 years you know and only you know I think eight months old he was so you know very young and he's been talked about for a long time very highly thought of but yeah he's leaving to to get more game time and, and we'll see what happens from there Thank you, listener, for joining us for another episode of Talk of the Devils. As we said before, you can read all of Laurie and Andy's writing on The Athletic for free until the end of the season. All you have to do is sign up to The Athletic using www.theathletic.com slash manunitedpod for a free 30-day trial. Yeah, the Premier League season is over in 30 days. Who'd have thunk it? But we'll be back next week. Laurie will be here, as will Andy, for the entire Europa League run as well. Uh, And I'll be here talking nonsense on the podcast as well. So... Thank you for listening to another episode of Talk of Devils podcast. That's a Manchester United podcast brought to you by The Athletic. We'll be back next week.